This is at the Jazz Band Ball, where we listen to early jazz, popular and swing music, played by some of the very best musicians from the last century. I'm your host, Kevin McLaughlin. Thanks for joining me today. On today's show, we're going to continue our look at jazz clubs from around the country in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. And this time, we're going to go club hopping in Chicago, places like the Royal Garden, where King Oliver and Louis Armstrong introduced Chicago to New Orleans-style jazz, Uh, the Sunset Cafe, where Earl Hines played, Uh, the Dreamland Cafe, to check out maybe Cab Calloway and Lil Armstrong, and then maybe we'll sneak into some speakeasies for some gangster-protected listening. in his orchestra playing Copenhagen in September of 1934. It was recorded in Chicago, and Chicago is our interest this week on At the Jazz Band Ball. We're exploring jazz clubs in Chicago. And now Earl Hines, who came to Chicago from just outside of Pittsburgh, where he was born in 1903, 
He may well have played that dance number at the Sunset Cafe, also known as the Grand Terrace Cafe. It was located at 315 East 35th Street in the Bronzeville neighborhood of Chicago. Originally built in 1909, the Sunset Cafe was an automobile garage, and then after a 1921 remodeling, it became a venue with around 100 tables and a bandstand and a dance floor. Well, from the very beginning, the Sunset Club was a rarity as a haven from segregation, since it was an integrated or black and tan club, as they called it. Well, many important musicians developed their careers at the Sunset Grand Terrace, and uh, including Earl Hines and Louis Armstrong, who met there in Chicago, which was owned by Louis Armstrong's manager, Joe Glazer. Well, let's listen to Louis Armstrong and Earl Hines together in a 1928 recording of Symphonic Raps. Thank you. 
was Symphonic Raps recorded in Chicago in July of 1928 with Carol Dickerson's Savoyagers, probably uh, as it sounded at the Sunset Cafe there at uh, 315 East 35th Street in the Bronzeville neighborhood of Chicago. It featured Louis Armstrong on a hot trumpet solo toward the end there, and then uh, Earl Hines, a famous uh, pianist and friend of Louis Armstrong, playing piano. Well, next we're going to hear some music by Fats Waller, uh, but I wanted to quickly tell you the story that uh, uh, involved the mob boss Al Capone, uh, in 1926, a 21-year-old Fats Waller was on tour in Chicago, and he was uh, staying in the Sherman Hotel. And uh, after a performance, he uh, started to go out into the street, and some unidentified men approached him and forced him inside a limousine. Well, Fats Waller had no choice but to comply with his kidnappers as he was at gunpoint. Well, he arrived uh, at a uh, party with a lively atmosphere, and he quickly realized that this was a party for in celebration of Capone's 28th birthday. His men, Capone's men, wanted to surprise Capone with uh, Fats Waller perform live for him. And so he was treated pretty well, though. Uh, at the end of it, he uh, had lots of alcohol and lots of food, and, and they paid him well, and he lived. All right, here's Fats Waller performing as his lovable self. This is Squeeze Me from 1939. Like you did before Little Cupid is standing close by Come on, don't let your fat daddy cry Pick me up, oh babe On your knee, oh babe I get so old, you know, when you squeeze me Thank you. 
was Fats Waller in Squeeze Me from August of 1939. Fats Waller playing piano and singing vocals and John Hamilton playing trumpet. Well, this is At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin, your host. And today we're exploring the jazz clubs of 1920s, 30s, and 40s Chicago. And next we're going to stay on South State Street uh, to visit the Dreamland Cafe, also known as Bottom's Dreamland Cafe for Bill Bottom, who opened the place in 1917. It was part of a wave of black and tan cabarets that opened on the stroll. The Dreamland featured an 800-person capacity dance floor and was considered the premier site for jazz on the south side among black Chicagoans. Well, Bill Bottoms attracted the biggest names in jazz, including uh, Joe King Oliver and Johnny and Warren Baby Dodds. And this man, Sidney Bechet, who was one of those uh, New Orleans uh, musicians who came up uh, to play in Chicago. Uh, This is from a 1934 recording called Loveless Love. Food law in everything 
we find a flaw, even love, oh love, oh love, let Loveless Love featuring Sidney Bechet and the singer Lavita Carter, who does a nice job there, a couple of choruses. That was music that you would have heard at the Dreamland Cafe on 3520 South State Street, or otherwise known as Bottoms Dreamland Cafe. Well, the Dreamland Cafe was a real palace of a dance hall in 1917 when it came under new management with Bill Bottoms. Uh, it boasted an 800-person dance floor, as I say, and then also some modern conveniences that we don't uh, we sort of take for granted nowadays. But 18, 18 count them, electric blow fans and five exhaust fans and 125 electric lights. Now, I mentioned earlier that due to the Great Migration around World War One, Chicago saw a huge influx of black workers in general and black musicians in particular. And it's true, uh, but the conventional wisdom often repeated that jazz musicians left New Orleans en masse around 1917 after the Navy outlawed prostitution in the red light district of New Orleans called Storyville. It's a bit exaggerated. Actually, jazz musicians had started arriving in Chicago from New Orleans uh, much earlier. Uh, Generally, Roll Morton, for example, one of the great jazz composers of the time, lived in Chicago from around 1914. Uh, We're going to listen to a recording now from Jelly Roll's Muddy Water Blues, recorded in Chicago a little bit after his first residency there. This is 1923 at the Dreamland Cafe. Thank you. 
Muddy Water Blues, recorded in Chicago in 1923, Jelly Roll Morton and his orchestra. We heard Tommy Ladnier on cornet, Roy Palmer trombone, Wilson Towns clarinet, Charles Harris alto sax, and Jelly Roll on piano with Jasper Taylor on the woodblocks. Music, as it may have sounded, at the Dreamland Cafe in Chicago in about 1923. Well, it would be difficult, I think, to overestimate the impact that Joe King Oliver had on Chicago and on jazz music in general. Uh, In about 1917, when he moved to Chicago from New Orleans, King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band was the resident band at the Royal Gardens, later named Lincoln Gardens, there at 459 East 31st Street and South Cottage Grove Avenue. And we're going to hear next the Creole Jazz Band play Jazz and Babies Blues, recorded in Chicago in June of 1923. And it features King Oliver on a kind of a plunger mute solo, uh, very influential. In fact, uh, Bubber Miley, the great trumpet player from the Duke Ellington Orchestra, who was famous for his plunger mute sound, uh, took a lot of lessons from uh, King Oliver as he sat there at the Royal Gardens to, to listen night after night. Here's Jazz and Babies Blues, 1923, the King Oliver Creole Jazz Band. Thank you. 
That was King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band playing Jazz and Babies Blues in Chicago in 1923. Well, we're listening to the sounds of early jazz clubs in 1920s, 30s, and 40s Chicago on At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. Next, we're going to head over to the Apex on 330 East 35th Street. The Apex was an after-hours spot on the second floor across from the black newspaper, the Chicago Defender. And it was owned by boxer Joe Lewis's manager, Julian Black was his name. Well, the Apex catered to wealthier whites and was a spot where white jazzmen often came to listen to the New Orleans musician and bandleader Jimmy Noon. Jimmy Noon was a popular clarinetist and band leader and had one of the last New Orleans-style bands important for Chicago's cabaret scene in the 1920s. Here's Jimmy Noon's Apex Club Orchestra and Apex Blues from 
was Jimmy Noon's Apex Club Orchestra, one of the last great New Orleans-style bands to make it big in Chicago. That was Apex Blues, recorded in July of 1928. Now, Jimmy Noon's band was kind of unusual in that it was kind of replicating the New Orleans style, but without brass instruments. So Jimmy Noon was on clarinet, Joe Poston, clarinet and alto sax, and then our friend Earl Hines on piano, Bud Scott on banjo and guitar, and Lawson Buford on tuba, and Johnny Wells on drums. In 1934, after the repeal of Prohibition, the four DeLisa brothers, Louis, John, Jimmy, and Mike DeLisa, turned their Southside Speakeasy, the DeLisa Club, into a legal nightclub. Seven years later, it burned down, but they quickly reopened it a few doors down the block into a larger space. Well, this integrated space offered review-style entertainment with singers, dancers, comedians, and chorus girls, all backed by a seven-to-nine-piece house band. There was an additional, less public source of income, illegal gambling in a back room in the basement. Well, the flyer that I'm looking at in front of me reads, Air-conditioned, four shows nightly, breakfast dance every Monday morning, and no cover or minimum charge. The Club de Lisa was the largest and most important nightclub in the African-American community from the 1930s through the 50s. At the Club de Lisa, Chicagoans could hear the likes of Count Basie and his band, Red Saunders, and Fletcher Henderson. Here's Tidal Wave from 1934. <laughs> Thank you. 
favorite bands, the Fletcher Henderson Band, in uh, recorded in 1934. That was Tidal Wave. And uh, in 1946, the Fletcher Henderson Band was the house band at Club Delisa. We're headed up north now to the Green Mill at 4802 North Broadway. Opening in 1907 on the far north side, the Green Mill remains the longest continuously operating nightclub in Chicago. The Green Mill was known for three things, jazz, poetry, and its connections to Chicago mob history. Well, here's the first of those three things. Here's Anita O'Day, who appeared at the Green Mill pretty regularly in her career. Here she is with the Nat King Cole Trio for a performance of Rosetta in May of 1940. In my heart, dear, there's no one but you For you told me that you loved me Never leave me or somebody new You made my whole life a dream And I prayed that you'd make it all come true Rosella my Rosetta, please say I'm just the one there for you. Day performing with the Nat King Cole trio Rosetta in May of 1940, very probably heard at the Green Mill on 4802 North Broadway in Chicago. Well, that's going to do it for us this time on At the Jazz Band Ball. Hope you enjoyed our tour of Chicago speakeasies and jazz clubs from the 20s, 30s, and 40s as much as I did. 
Well, next week we'll do another visit of jazz clubs, this time in Detroit, circa 1920s to the 40s. We'll check out the Greystone Ballroom where Gene Goldcat hung out. Uh, how about the Fox Theater with Lady Day and the Count Basie Orchestra? Uh, the Three Sixes at 666 East Adams Street in Detroit. And maybe the Garfield Hotel where jazz harpist Dorothy Ashby played. Well, if you're a fan of Detroit jazz, and how can you not be with that lineup, I hope you'll come back in a couple of weeks. By the way, if you're enjoying these podcasts, I hope you'll write and let me know. The email for the show is kevin at atthejazzbandball.com. We're available on all of the standard platforms, including Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review the show, which is always appreciated. You'll consider subscribing to my uh, Substack. It's kevinmclaughlin.substack.com. We've also got a Patreon where you can donate to the show, and that is uh, much appreciated. This is At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you.